creatures and cretins. This is uh, your friend, Big R, Randy Heyer, coming to you from Oklahoma City. And with me, as always, from Berkeley, California, I have Will Scoville. Hey, hey. How are you doing, Will? I'm okay. How are you? Pretty good. Wonderful. Pretty good, because I just watched a, a real fun movie that <laughs> I've been putting off for a long time. And we can get into my history with this filmmaker. Uh, computer chess. Andrew Bujalski's, I hope I'm saying that name right, Computer Chess. This was your pick, Will, so I'm going to yep. let you take it away with the, the description and whatever. Get us uh, started on Computer Yeah, Computer Chess came out in 2013. Uh, it's a really interesting movie that kind of fits into the mumble, mumblecore uh, scene that was kind of, uh, I want to say, kind of on its way out in 2013. There might have been a few other movies, but everyone kind of involved with that started going off to bigger and better things around this time. And so this is uh, Andrew Bujalski, uh, also known for kind of starting that movement with movies like Funny Haha and Mutual Appreciation, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and so was very much a key player in the beginning of that movement and brought that over into this really interesting movie um, that is just an interesting story and an interesting uh, on a technical level as well. And the first thing about it is that it is shot entirely on old uh, era-specific era uh, video technology. So this is set in 1980. And it is shot on a black and white tube video camera, so it has a very distinct look to it. And it's something you would recognize uh, almost immediately. It's very cheap. The video is very smeary. It is very early technology. And they make a great comment at the very beginning about not pointing the camera towards the sun because you're going to burn out the tube, which was a very real thing, uh, because the video was captured on a vacuum tube. And if you pointed it at a bright uh, light that was too bright, it would actually burn burn it in and you would see that shape. Um, or if you've ever seen an old video where you see like kind of smeary, uh, bright reflect, like something bright happens and you see kind of a smear that kind of fades away. That's a tube camera. So this is shot on a black and white tube camera and it tells the story of a computer chess tournament in a, uh, hotel ballroom in 1980. Uh, which, I have been to quite a few of these kinds of conventions through another show I work on. And um, I can tell you very much, they're in a different place now. They're much bigger. But I've been to some of these like early, uh, these uh, conventions that are kind of early on. They're like the first or second year they've done them. And they very much feel like this. People come out from all over the place. They're into the thing that they're into. Um, they're all squeezed into some hotel uh, in San Jose, uh, or wherever this is, but, um, all the characters are kind of represented. You follow each of them around in different ways. They all have kind of their own through lines. Um, but a major one is this kid who is working under a professor. The professor is late first of all. So he's kind of working with Wiley Wiggins, uh, who doesn't really know what's going on. The great Wiley Wiggins from Days of Confused. From Days of Confused and Waking Life. One of the main characters in Days of Confused. Yep. And so 
um, he's he's trying he's seeing that this computer isn't really working. It's not wanting to play. It's making bad decisions when playing other computers, and so in his digging, he he realizes that it wants to play humans. Um, and so there's this kind of question about AI and what it means and what his uh, the professor he's working under is actually working towards with this um, and whether it's like kind of a bigger government plot. So there's a lot of like underlying things that might or might not be going on uh, politics within this world of computer chess as well. And then at the same time, this kid is trying to kind of figure out who he is and what he wants out of life. And um, kind of has a run-in with these folks that are involved with another convention going on in the same hotel, in the same room, kind of before the computer chess tournament takes over every day. And it's like this kind of self-help seminar, uh, this like post-New Age self-help seminar uh, to getting to know like your true self, uh, which is another cast of characters that kind of falls into this whole story. Um, but it's very interesting, very, uh, technically it's very interesting. It's a very simple story and kind of like easy moving and you get a really a good sense of the mumblecore vibe and what they were going through during that time and what was like, you know, going on at the very end of it and where that went. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, Man, I should just watch it again because you're you're describing the plot of it. And to me, it was, I mean, it is what you said it is and stuff, but like discerning who everyone is and what their motivations are and everything is kind of difficult because uh -huh. it is sort of it's like a documentary, but it's not it's not a it's not like a mockumentary. No. There is some of that like where the dude is an announcer or whatever, like mm. the, the main nerd, the old man who's like, he can't wait for the computer to be able to beat him mm -hmm. or whatever. And he says by 1984, that what happens or whatever. Mm. And, but I thought this movie was just so fucking fun, man. I mean, I am... I mean, I'm not a super good chess player, but I am somewhat of a chess nerd, actually. So. Oh, really? Yes. And so uh, when you wanted to do this movie, I was, I've been putting this off forever because I had sort of a history with this guy, Andrew Pujalski, because I was very interested in um, Mumblecore and what have you. And I liked uh, Funny Haha, -ha, but I absolutely hated mutual appreciation and then he is one of the stars of maybe the nadir of like the at least obtainable mumblecore Hannah takes the stairs Joe mm -hmm. Swanberg's Hannah takes the stairs which I that's maybe one of my least favorite movies I don't like that one either oh my god that it's just one of the most insufferable mm -hmm. awful things ever and mumblecore that movie really turned me off there's some other ones I mean it's sort of like you still have to be a talented filmmaker to make a watchable movie, I guess. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people took that as a license to like, well, it doesn't have to be about anything. It's like, well, yeah, Swanberg is definitely guilty of that a lot of times. Sometimes like LOL is his classic <laughs> mumblecore feature. And that's a, 
a pretty decent movie, I thought. And he he's obviously more mainstream now. He did Drinking Buddies. I think he has a TV show on Netflix. Mm. He has a deal with Netflix. Uh, but sorry, did you have something to add? No, I mean, it, the Mumblecore movement. Yeah, it um, it was an interesting movement, and I think you know it took the same kind of you know it was if you were in film school at a certain time, you were definitely uh, aware of it. And I, um, I went to film school twice in two different schools. I went during the very, you know, the early two thousands, um, where Dogma 95 was still very much, Mm -hmm. um, a, a popular thing to want to do for the same reasons. And this is an outgrowth of that. Like, yeah, most definitely. And a bit to the, to a lesser extent, like a mockumentary, which this has elements of, but isn't. Uh, you know, after kind of... Um, oh, I didn't mean show. computer chess. I meant just like, in general, Mumblecore is an outgrowth of Dogma 95. Please. That's what, yeah, that's what I mean, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it... it um, so Dogma 95, Mumblecore, and then to a lesser extent, the mockumentary kind of was a way for, let's say, lesser creative film students to try to get away with doing something and not preparing for it, um, doing less work. So, uh, I do hate it for that reason, but also I understand that there is very good stuff that came out of all that in the hands of people who understood that they were making a movie. Absolutely. And And Bujalski is about one of the better ones for sure. And that movie we were talking about, Hannah takes the stairs. I was just thinking about it. That is, Kind of the Mount Rushmore of Mumblecore is directed by Joe Swanberg. It stars Mark Duplass, Andrew Bujalski, and um, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig is the, the main character. Is Hannah, and yeah, that's like that's really kind of the key players of mm. Mumblecore, with like you know your Aaron Katzes and whoever <laughs> ancillary character. The Safdie brothers are technically. Part of the Daddy Long Legs. Daddy Long Legs, yep. Which I've never seen that one. Um, I I think it's on Criterion right now because they're doing a big thing with them. Um, but yeah, to, to see how, and you know, it, you can look at the Safdie brothers as a way of like, okay, well, these are talented people doing a movie within their means. And they're not just doing it because it's easy. They're doing it because that's all they have access to. And they wrote a good they have a good idea. Yeah. And so the movie has to have a point of view. It has to know who the characters are or at least be a starting place and have the motivation for those characters to make the decisions. Even if they're being improv, you have to, you know, guide that to a certain place. And the Duplass brothers, God help me. I'm going to praise them right now. I like their early, their Mumblecore movies are good. I Mm. really like puffy chair. I thought it was very funny. And then uh, Baghead is a really terrific underseen mm-hmm. kind. Of, it's a it's one of those movies. There's a small genre of it's kind of like a horror movie, and you get horror movie kicks out of it. But it's not a horror movie. But it's also not making fun of horror. Nope. Like I think One Cut of the Dead is another movie that fits in that. Where have you seen that movie? I haven't seen that one. No. But uh, that's a newer movie. But anyway, I thought that's a good movie, and whatever I like. Cyrus is another like mm. Cyrus was fucking excellent. That's like a that's a really really that was like a big one for them, right? That yeah. was like a big theatrical oh, yeah. release. Uh huh. And uh, Marissa Tomei and John C. Riley. That mm. their romance is actually it's one of the 
It's one of the like best romantic comedies I've like ever seen in a theater. Yeah. Movie. I I thought that was a really terrific movie. But uh, Buchowski is on the ponderous side of Mumblecore for sure. But he's good at it. Instead, like Joe Swanberg is bad. I would mm. argue at it. And Greta Gerwig got good at it, but was not good at first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so this movie computer chess is just kind of a jumble of shit happening and mm. from my perspective to bring it back to what i was talking about it's like i'll have to watch it again and i will gladly watch it again actually because it was so it is it's not making fun of these guys nope. at all it's very and it's very in their world but not in a way that is really made to make you the viewer feel stupid mm -hmm. like primer or something mm -hmm. you know not that primer not that what's that guy's name i i forgot you, you've, seen, like, you've seen that movie i don't know that he wants you to feel stupid right if you've seen upstream color which uh i did and i get it and i think it's just trying way too hard to, to overcomplicate what is essentially a very simple story yeah, oh, prim yeah. primer is good though i like primer but yeah, I don't know. I I liked both of them. I like he's an, he's an interesting person. And yeah, I can't. I wish I could remember his name, but he's another. This is uh, I wanted to mention Andrew Bujalski is Austin based, mm. so. and so that's why Wiley Wiggins, and also Bob uh, Sabaston, who uh, owns who created Flat Black Films, which is the animation company that uh, worked on uh, Waking Life, also out of Austin. Oh hell yeah. Shane Carruth is what that dude's name is. Yes. And uh, he's Dallas-based, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think Primer is a, was made in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I love I love that. I love hearing that Dallas dialect, though. Yeah. So close to ours, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, I don't know. Do you ever think about, you ever, hey, listener out there, <laughs> <laughs> you, ever, you ever think about your region being under, under, underrepresented and you find your dialogue, your dialect in like a movie or something like that's like special to me for sure. Cause yeah. they made that movie leaves of grass and, uh, Edward Norton was like, man, it's like, man, we don't talk like that nope. in Oklahoma. You fucking dick. Although I did like that movie is made by Tim Blake Nelson, Oklahoma. Man, that Red Bull's hitting me now. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm derailing the fuck out of this computer chess. Great, no, great it, movie. It, I mean, we're kind of like, on the same tangent of like all these different kinds of filmmakers who were coming out around the same time. And I mean, Bujalski, I'm looking at his credits and one of his more recent um, script writing uh, jobs was that Lady in the Tramp movie that just came out for the live action one. He is credited as the writer on that one. Um, believe it or not. So that's where his career has gone uh, since making this movie. Uh, very interesting place. He made that movie results. I never saw that. And I, I do now, especially it's like, I should really check out the rest of his work. Did you see that one? No, I didn't. Um, and it's just like, I'm always scared to kind of like look at someone who I know that after, you know, this really interesting movie, like goes on to work on something a lot more mainstream. And what does that mean for that? Like, what does that mean for them? Do they kind of like, are they done with that 
part of their right. career or are they, they going to just become a, um, a more standard like film director at this point, or are they going to kind of bring that into a, a larger audience? Results um, stars, Kevin Corrigan. So I would imagine it's still pretty mm-hmm. indie and cool and good, you know, but I hear you though. Like, cause sometimes I mean, the ultimate nightmare for me is when a good actor or a good director starts making Marvel movies or something, and it's just like, that's the next 10 years for yep. you, like, yep. all cinched up. It's like, I mean, a lot of people maybe don't remember this, kids especially, but Robert Downey Jr. was one of the most interesting actors there was, you know, like, on the level. I mean, you could kind of say the same thing for Johnny Depp. He didn't get involved in Marvel, but he got involved no. in franchises and stuff. And, like, but like Cruise is another. It's just, like, these guys haven't been doing anything but bullshit for... I know, I'm getting way off top. No, but even, but, like, Robert I mean, Downey Jr., you like, you go back and you're, like... I, I was going back and I'm, like, okay, so what, what have I seen with him in it? And I'm, like, oh, God, that Heart and Souls movie. Um, which if you've not seen that, it is a mess. It's got him and Charles Grodin in it. <laughs> As a kid, I remember liking it, but I have literally not seen it in like you remember the story? five years. You remember the plot of that one? Is is that a, he dies? Is, he he is doesn't he die. ghost in that movie? Yeah. Okay. So a bunch of people die in a bus crash and they it's all like, haunt it's like Robert ghost Downey Town. Jr. Right? What is Ghost Town? Ricky Gervais can see ghosts. Oh, is that the, that one? Holy shit, dude. I forgot all about th- Ricky Gervais, man. I miss him. About- I miss him completely. Like, he was not ever necessarily on my radar. Never got into the office. Uh, really? Not at the. I, I was a big, very devoted to the original office. And, to, I mean, to be fair to the American one, I liked a lot too. But really? uh, the British. Office extras, and I felt I didn't like his. I was so excited for the Warwick Davis show because I love Warwick Davis, and it was like Warwick Davis is going to get his own show, big break. It'll be awesome, but it was so much just like you're short, <laughs> you know. Oh, like really? that was like all the humor, and like quite literally, Gervais and Merchant as themselves laughing about how short he is. Mm. And it's just like this sucks, you know. Like, make make a good show with Warwick Davis. <laughs> anyway, damn, we got way well, yeah, far um, away now. Well, going back to the computer chess, I, I just <laughs> want to say that it's it's very cool. It just it follows all these people around, and what you were saying earlier about how it like you don't have to be a technical person the to understand it. What really you have to understand is that they are programmers. They have built chess programs, and now those programs are playing each other. And all the drama and everything, what they're doing, what they're not doing, is explained in very uh, basic English, something that you can understand. It, it does not get very technical. And in fact, when stuff does get very technical, the character that is it's being explained to is just as lost as you are. And they represent that very well, just like, you know, uh, terms being kind of thrown at you and not understanding and becoming confused and being out of your element and things like that. So, 
Absolutely, dude. And I, I did want to bring up this totally exactly what um, my favorite scene in the whole movie when um, the younger the younger guy you've been following, one of the main guys you've been following, the younger guy, um, he gets brought into the hotel room of this couple who's attending the other seminar, and they're swingers, mm-hmm. and they want to like. It's very clear to us that they want to have sex with him. That's mm-hmm. like what where this is going. But he is so awkward right. and naive and stuff. He just he goes in and he's sitting there. It's just like the the how awkward he is. It made me laugh so much. I thought it was right. so funny. But there's like this part where they're like they're talking to him about what they're doing at their seminar and their whole like belief system and shit. And um they're like, so think about that with like, you're here for chess and you want to be a great chess player. And he's like, I don't want to be, I'm not a chess player. He's like, I'm a programmer. And then the, just their reaction, they're like kind of blank stare. Yeah. When he says that, it's just like, that's kind of like, yeah, what you were saying in the movie, like in a nutshell, kind of, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> like it. Yeah. Cause it he's, is, it's not about chess really at all. No. It, and it's like, he's, but it is, I don't he, know. It's cause it's he's, he's trying to figure this shit out. He's trying to think of beyond what he's locked into, even in this chess program. And it allows him to go talk to this one woman who's at the convention for the first time. They have a woman there on one team and everyone's kind of trying to get with her in some way. He is able to get into her hotel room, but all he's concentrated on is figuring and is working through this problem. And then after the whole thing, there's a scene, you know, earlier on where everyone's kind of after hours drinking and smoking weed and hanging out with each other. She shows up to that after the whole convention is over and decides to just go to the young guy's room after she's had a few drinks and is wanting to sleep with him very clearly wanting like coming to his hotel room and he kind of rejects that in the same way that he rejected the swingers you know smash cut to the very end of the movie and kind of throughout the whole thing there's been this woman who's hanging out outside you're supposed to understand that she's like a prostitute that hangs out at the, at the hotel and so this kid hires her at the very end um, and a very weird scene where it's just like, oh, my God. And, you know, she strips naked and then gets on the bed with him and then takes a clip of hair out of her head and then bends down and you see something in her head that looks like circuits or something. And she shows it to him. And that's where the movie ends. And so it's him. What is he doing? Is he like. Is he is he is he taking that chance or is he just going continuing on with the same like mechanical thing of like this is not a person who has any emotional feeling towards him. This is not a, a very real experience. This is more of something that he bought and is mechanical versus what he could have experienced either with the woman who was at the convention or with that swinging couple. As awful as that would have been, it's still a much more real experience than what he's buying there. Hmm. Um, so like you, I watched this the first time. I didn't get as much detail on this, watching this the second time. A lot of that was able to be opened up. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought that, and I interpreted it a few different ways. 
like I thought maybe it is meant to represent that what this boy really wants is to fuck a computer. <laughs> maybe I that mean, too. you know, straight up, just like because he he just doesn't seem interested in um human companionship necessarily. Well, well, that's the thing. It's like it's just a transaction. He doesn't want the swinging couple. He doesn't want the girl. It's just a transactional right. thing. But there's also, and the, they show the bull sessions at night and stuff, and that one guy, one of my favorite uh, nerds um, there, he's talking about um, how dating is the future mm-hmm. of what, like what they're developing can be used for that kind of a thing. And so I thought maybe that is also sort of represent, like what it meant is meant to represent, you know, with the, the prostitute revealing that she is a robot or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I thought it was very interesting. It was a very weird way to end the movie. And mm-hmm. the movie is also has, it has kind of like hallucinatory diversions and stuff like that. I don't know. It's a very strange. Cause there's that, that through light of like the cats in the hotel and like they keep showing up and yeah. And then there's that guy who's like the cool, he's like kind of like the cool guy, yeah. the nerds, but he's just like a huge, he's like as, as much of a nerd as any of the other people. Yeah. Are. He's a yeah. huge dick and he can't find a room uh, to sleep in. Um, <laughs> and then there's like the conspiracy guy who uh-huh. is talking about like people selling out to like the government and he might be right. It turns out. Yeah. Um, like he, he might be the crazy guy, but he might be right about everything. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of like interesting characters and again, not making fun of them at all. Like they are, no. they are players in a real story. They all have their own personalities. They're not being played for, for as a joke, except for maybe the cool guy. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's, Totally okay to satirize. I mean, it's okay to satirize anyone, you yeah. Know, but like, yeah, to satirize that kind of a person, it's like it's it's fine, you yeah. Know? And it's not like they're not like mean to him. He doesn't get some kind of. There's no comeuppance, or I mean, it's not like a movie like Mumblecore doesn't follow conventions like that mm. where they set stuff up to have it be paid off necessarily. And this movie certainly doesn't follow those conventions, except in weird ways that you would never expect, like the prostitute mm. being a robot or whatever yeah. at the end. So cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we hop to a break and then we'll come back and do ratings and recommendations. Sounds good. rather have a day job than be a Pokemon master. Han Solo is clearly more attractive than Indiana Jones. I would take the Star Wars trilogy over the Matrix trilogy any time. The Legend of Zelda versus Super Mario. Who's better in bed, Jafar or Gaston? And would Thanos masturbate with the Infinity Gauntlet or not? Every week, Nerd Rage The Great Debates brings you the funniest comics, writers, and podcasters to settle some of geekdom's most divisive topics. Find us on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. 
Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said, SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Welcome back, CRM Cathode Ray Mission. It's me, Big R, with Will, of course, and we're doing the big roundup. Uh, Will, why don't you go ahead and do your review? Um, my rating on this one, I gave it a big four stars. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, you know, it, uh, it was stylistically, it was really interesting. Uh, the characters were good enough and presented in, in a easy enough way that I really connected to them and followed all of their journey. I like the structure of it. I like that there was an ensemble cast, uh, that everyone kind of had a full story arc. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be for everyone, but it was, um, a very easy movie to watch, very easy to, to throw on. And if you're looking for something a little outside the, the norm, but not incredibly uh, difficult or, or violent, this is a very good pick. Absolutely. I'm going to echo your rating completely um, with four stars, four out of five. It was a very fun, light movie. I mean, it is... It is about a niche subculture, so obviously people are not going to be as interested. Not everybody's, like, results are going to vary pretty pretty drastically on this one, I think. But if you're up for a movie like this, think of it kind of as, I think somebody, somewhere I read, um, it's like the programmer character from Real Genius. It's like if this was just about him and his friends. Yep. It's sort of... If you think of it in that way, like if you like the movie Real Genius, you get a lot of that vibe from it. Of mm-hmm. course, the aesthetic is a lot different. Yeah. But I I I personally thought this was just a, a great, a really fun movie that I, I could envision turning on and just watching it. And it's like there's not like a whole lot of setup to get into what's mm-hmm. good about it or anything. You're just kind of dive head first into this computer chess convention and it's just a lot of it's a lot of fun and i yeah i thought it was great so cool um is there anything that you would recommend based on this kind of movie well i mean we've mentioned a lot of mumblecore movies and you know i mean i don't even know with what with this being um, him shooting it on these special cameras, you know, and stuff to make it period correct and like everything about it almost reminded me, I mean, no, it's not the same thing, but his devotion to getting that right reminded me of, uh, Guy Madden. Mm. Oh yeah. Kind of. So I'm just going to take a left turn here and, uh, recommend uh saddest music in the world. If you like this, I think it's kind of oddball and and weird and fun in a way like this movie is. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, and 
and there's another one um, kind of on those same lines that he did uh, when I was working at the Pacific Film Archive. He came uh, for about a week and he showed The Forbidden Room, uh, mm. which is a bit like a choose-your-own-adventure style. The way that it was originally presented was online, and every time you watched, it would combine these different elements into a new version of that movie. Um, he showed just a straight cut of it um, in, in, on 35, but it does have a lot of that stuff where he is paying a lot of attention to the aesthetic detail as well as like what is going on in, in the story. And he kind of goes for the melodrama a lot more than this one does. It's kind of a, a 180 as far as, um, whereas, you know, Mumblecore is kind of downplaying everything. Guy Madden kind of overplays everything. Um, but he, I mean, Guy Madden is recreating silent era. Yes. Or near or early talky. Yes. Uh, type stuff. So. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's a it's good. A, it's. Yeah, it's right for the style he's doing. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he's using the medium as a storytelling device, which is exactly what's happening in this movie. So I, I would second that one uh, as, a, as a good uh, recommendation. Um, and again, all the, all the mumblecore stuff that we've kind of talked about, the puppy chair is especially good. Uh, Baghead, I really enjoyed. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, check those out to kind of see the variety of things that happened uh, during that time, a very interesting time in movie making. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Hell yeah. Randy, what you got going on? Oh, just, you know, I'm in chat pile and then Randy rules is my solo stuff. That can all be found through links and whatever. Um, the theater that I worked at before all this stuff shut down all theaters is doing virtual screenings. Um, rodeo cinema, rodeocinema.org. Um, you can go and, um, this is a good way to support the theater while it has to remain closed, you know, for the safety of everyone. And I think they're, I don't know when this is going to come out. They've done some cool stuff, had some like new movies, but also, uh, they had like, uh, Hanabi, uh, that Takeshi Kitano movie, mm. also known as Fireworks. It's kind of a, it was out on VHS here in America, but uh, the DVD release quickly went out of print. I think it was on DVD, but it like quickly went out of print. It's mm. kind of hard to find. It was on, what was that That station before Criterion? What was that, the the classy streaming um, channel? Filmstruck? Yes, they, they had it. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's on Criterion, but anyway, we're, they're showing that. They're doing lots of cool things, so check out RadioCinema.org and... Uh, Watch a movie, throw some bucks at the theater. Yeah, and if, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, this is where you can buy a ticket to a, a movie that they're showing and you're, you'll just stream it at your house. Uh, but a, par a portion of that uh, ticket that you bought will go to the theater and help them uh, stay afloat during this lockdown. Um, a lot of independent theaters are doing it, so if you have one nearby, check it out. Uh, otherwise, we have links in the description for the Rodeo and the Roxy, both in Oklahoma City and in San Francisco. Uh, and you can support those theaters through those links and see what they're playing. Um, for me, I got two other podcasts, SupDoc and uh, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates. Uh, SupDoc is a documentary review show. A lot of cool stuff going on right now. Um, and then SupDoc, or uh, sorry, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates is a weird-ass game show that I do with a bunch of friends of mine. 
Um, it's uh, about a half hour, and we just debate about weird shit, and nobody really gets any points. Uh, it's just fun to yell at each other in a very positive way when we yell at each other for so many negative things uh, <laughs> in the world we're living in. It's nice to do so uh, in a friendly environment. And that's what we're providing. Uh, all that can be found in the in the links or on my Instagram, also available. And uh, we'll be back again next week with another movie. Until then, Randy. <laughs> Till then. See you later. Hang loose, brother. <laughs> <laughs>